It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. God refers to his people as the bride of Christ. The image of a bride is so spectacular, so heartwarming, and it's going to fill you with awe as we proceed into this revelation. It's going to awaken a worshipful response in you toward the God who has chosen you. Now, we're taking this insight from two passages of Scripture, both in the same chapter, Revelation chapter 21. The first four verses talk about a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there's no more sea. Then verse 2 says, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the wedding day. This is the time of a spectacular celebration of an eternal union between God and his people. Then John said, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So eternally, God is married to his people in a brand new era, the new heaven and the new earth when everything is made perfect and God is one with us forever on a level we can only imagine now. Then further on in that same chapter, verses 9 through 11, John said, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God, and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So mysteriously, John is first invited to see the bride, but then when he's carried to view the spectacular entity or individual referred to as the bride, he beholds a city. So there might have been somewhat of a disconnect in his mind to begin with. Why would a bride be represented as a city? Well, three questions immediately come to my mind. First of all, why does God refer to the holy city, New Jerusalem, as his bride? Second, why does God use the relationship of a bride and a bridegroom to represent his relationship with his people? And number three, 
who is included in the bride? And is there a certain criteria that must be fulfilled to be a part of this privileged and blessed group? So let's go forward and let's unveil the mystery of the bride of Christ. Why does God refer to the city of New Jerusalem as his bride? Well, my response to that would be this, that it is not so much the city, but the inhabitants of the city who make up this bride of Christ highlighted in Revelation chapter 21. A city with no inhabitants is empty, cold, lifeless, and desolate. And the Christian religion with its doctrines, in a sense, and all of its creeds and all of its uh, structure make up the city, but the true believers give that city life. So it's the inhabitants of the city who are truly represented as the bride. A choice passage from the Old Testament, I believe, will help you draw this revelation into your spirit. It's Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 5. It begins with the prophet Isaiah saying this, For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. So he's talking about a city that is glowing, that is emanating the glory of God. Certainly, he's talking about the city of New Jerusalem in the eternal state. Then in verse 3, he's speaking to the city and he says, You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So the city, like a crown, is going to crown the new earth. The inhabitants of the city are going to be the ruling hierarchy of a new creation and a new earth yet to come. And then in verse 4, he says, to the city now, to this uh, city he is depicting in royal and beautiful terms, he says, you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah. Now that's H-E-P-H-Z-I-B-A-H, Hephzibah, and your land Beulah, B-E-U-L-A-H. For the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. Hephzibah is a name given to the bridal city that means my delight is in her. And I believe we as the bride have inherited the name Hephzibah. God's delight is in us. And he said, your land shall be named Beulah, which means married, because God will permeate everything in the new creation with his personal presence. There will be no barrier like there is now, no separation between the natural realm and the third heaven for eternity and time will merge. Heaven and earth will blend together. What a glorious day that will be. And then in verse five of Isaiah 62, the prophet says to the city, he's prophesying to the eternal city, New Jerusalem. And he says, as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So in Isaiah's passage, 
It's both the people of God and the God that we serve and love who marry the city together. So it's as if the city, New Jerusalem, is the connecting point. It is the place of our union, the place that we will spend eternity united together in a rapturous covenant relationship that is beyond my ability to put into words. Like the relationship of a bride and a bridegroom who are uh, completely in love with each other, enraptured by each other, and fully committed to each other for time and eternity. What a wonderful picture that we see of the bride of Christ and his people. Now, the question number two is why does God use this relationship of a bride and a bridegroom to represent his relationship with his people? Well, first, it's helpful to see that God uses many different human relationships to symbolize his relationship with those who enter an eternal covenant with him. The dynamics of each relationship speak of different facets and different characteristics of our relationship with God. We are referred to in scripture as citizens who are under the rule of the governor among the nations. We are described as laborers working the fields of a heavenly husbandman or a heavenly farmer. We are described as servants under the authority of a divine master. We are referred to as soldiers who are in the army of the captain of our salvation. We are called disciples who are following the instructions of an all-wise teacher. We are brothers and sisters of an elder brother, the firstborn son of God. We are also described as sons and daughters in the family of God the Father. We are expressively described as a bride, a spouse to a heavenly bridegroom, and then as a wife married to her husband, the king of all creation. Now, each one of these earthly relationships conveys a unique an important revelation of the heavenly relationship we enjoy with the Lord Jesus Christ. In one sense, these relationships can be progressive. For instance, you leave servanthood behind when you move into sonship, and you leave the mindset of sonship behind when you move into the mindset of being a member of the bride. In a qualified sense, that is true. However, it is also true that we abide in all of these roles simultaneously, constantly, and permanently. Forevermore, we will be the servants of God. Forevermore, we will be a part of the bride of Christ. Forevermore, we will be sons and daughters of the Almighty. And so these are permanent relationship descriptions that uh, are not progressive, but I can understand the teaching that you do pass from one level to the next when you grow in your love for God. So both approaches really have a valid point of view. I do not believe, though, that some Christians fill the role of servants of God, while others who are much more passionate 
are the members of the bride. If you are in one role, automatically you are in the other. Whether you fully manifest as characteristics or not, that particular title rests upon you. And it's a challenge to you to fill up that title role with a true manifestation of the characteristics that you should be exhibiting. You should be like the bride of Christ, uh, represented by the bride in the Song of Solomon, who rejoices to say, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. A rejoicing over this relationship, not a struggling day to day journey of, of striving for obedience, but a rapturous union where you are absolutely ecstatic about fulfilling the will of God because you're in love with the heavenly bridegroom. That's the kind of place we need to get to. Now, question number three, and this is a very important question. Who is included in the bride and what criteria must be fulfilled to be a part of this group? Well, we will go into all the details of the eternal holy city as it's described in Revelation 21 and 22 in the next episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. But one uh, particular facet, or actually two particular facets, of the bridal city described in Revelation 21 are necessary to mention now because those two facets clearly indicate who is in the bride. Remember, the bride is referred to as the city, and the city had 12 gates, and each one of those gates was named after the 12 tribes of Israel. The city also had 12 foundations, which are named after the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So see, there are certain elements of both the Old Testament and the New Testament that are combined in this city. The 12 gates are named after the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 foundations after the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so we enter the city through the gates of the law that was given under the Old Testament, the law that proves to us our sinfulness and our need for a savior, but the city is built on the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the message, the gospel that the 12 apostles of the Lamb declared to this world. So you, can you see how both covenant peoples, the uh, covenant people of the Old Testament and the covenant people of the New Testament are united together into one eternal bride because all of us have been ultimately redeemed by the price that was paid on the cross. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he did not spend three days recovering from the torturous treatment that he received. The Bible says he went and preached the gospel to the dead. He went down into the lower parts of the earth. And I believe he preached uh, the redemptive price that he just paid to all the old covenant saints that were waiting in Abraham's bosom. They received him as Lord of their lives. They were born again because it's the spirit that is born again, that is spiritually reborn by the entrance of the Holy Spirit entering into us. Uh, and not the flesh. So they were in a spiritual state, in a soulless state, and they were born again and 
translated. He led captivity captive and they were carried right up into paradise. So at that time, there was a union of the saints of the old covenant, the saints that would be a part of the new covenant, and they were all brought together as one. One eternal bride married to God forever. Isn't this an amazing thing that God would refer to you in such terms that speak of intimacy, that speak of closeness, that speak of companionship, that speak of the depth of love that God has for you. You are the bride, and we're going to keep pursuing this theme in the next episode when I go into the revelation of what it is to be the Lamb's wife. Please visit our website, shreveministries.org, and get your copy of Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ, and follow along and get even more details of this wonderful insight into who you are in Christ. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.